Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. A young man, Endel Nellis, arrives in Hapsalu, Estonia, in the early 1950s, having left Leningrad to escape the secret police. He finds work as a teacher and founds a sports club for his students. Endel becomes a father figure to his students and starts teaching them his great passion, fencing, which causes a conflict with the school principal. Envious, the principal starts an investigation into Endel's background. And we'll leave it there because there's so much more to this film. And the film is called The Fencer. And we're honored to have with us today the director of that film, Klaus Haro. Klaus, welcome to Film School. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, um, I, I just scratched the surface of what your film is about. And I want to get into it a little bit more in terms of your, your description of it. But let's start with where the story came to you from and your decision to uh, move forward with it as a as a feature film. Well, I need to I need to confess that at the beginning, at the start of this, I was very skeptical. I was approached by a Finnish producer asking me, "Would you like to read a story that takes place in the Soviet era, Estonia?" And I was thinking, "How do I get out of this?" It sounded so gloomy, and I was not interested at all. Uh, but you know, the polite way would be I would read it and say, "It's not for me, thank you. Do you have anything else?" So I started to read it, you know, more out of politeness than out of genuine interest. And just what you told, I mean, the story about a man who comes uh, into a village, it's like a Western. I mean, the film really opens as a sort of Nordic Western, where we have this train station, and a foreign guy comes in. Everybody in the village is wondering, who's the guy? And why is he here? Is he a good guy? Is he among the bad guys? What's going to happen? And, and for me, this script was just a page turner. And I think I was on page 15 or 16 or something when I, I, I just realized, you know, I found myself thinking, this can't be this good. And, I, you know, films uh, are very, very pessimistic, always thinking things are going to fail. So naturally, having read many scripts that weren't that great, I kept turning the pages thinking it's going to fail. It's going to fail any moment now. And I found myself on the last page thinking it succeeded. And it did more than that. It sort of, it, 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 it was more than I had expected. And I found myself thinking, you know, if I could just do this film, it would feel like a gift. And now, now, now the next moment I was thinking, what are you thinking? Are you mad? I mean, this is in Estonian. It's not my language. It's, it's, it's about fencing. I never did fencing. I never did any kind of sports. And, 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 and it has bunches, you know, bunches of children in it. Uh, it's it's going to be so hard. But, you know, the, the drive to, to tell this teacher-pupil story, this heartwarming classical story just sort of took over. And I found myself very soon in Estonia scouting for locations. And I have to say, it, it was by far the most beautiful script I had read at that time. Well, Klaus, it, it, and I just echo what you're saying about the, the, the script. There's such a humanity to to this script. There's it so is, much. Yeah, there, there, that's the. I mean, for if as a filmmaker, you that must have been the the attraction. Well, putting aside the kind of logistical issues that you thought you were going to have to deal with, but it, it's at its very core, it's a story of character. It's a story mm. of resistance yeah. and a, a kind of personal and a political level. 
and there's and there's that in and of itself is such a compelling dynamic in 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 this film and uh uh, obviously, you came, overcame some of your reservations. Uh, was it a matter of did you meet with the writer and I'll hopefully say her name correctly, Anna Hein Moss? Yeah, Anna Hein Moss. That's correct. I mean, I mean, uh, this is this is very compelling. I met with her and I I did not have a lot of disagreements in the script. We did improve it some and and did some drafts after we met. But I mean, we 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 very soon found found an agreement. I didn't want to change the story. I didn't want to take it on and make it into something else. I wanted to tell this beautiful story, which is you know this beautiful heartwarming story tell, told against this political backdrop, this political situation of, of oppression, and uh, and w- what is interesting about Anna Henema uh, as a screenwriter is that that this is her first screenplay. Mm. I mean, she's a lady, lady in her fifties, and she she has a background as a novelist and a sculptress and, and an artist. And, and, you know, she found herself, she, she's a novelist, and she found herself writing books that she thought, well, I'm writing these books, but very few people read them. If I, make, if I write scripts, at least somebody will see the film. And she sort of made the transition from a novelist into a, you know, screenwriter in her early 50s. And, I mean, I think, she, as I said, I think she's such a gifted writer, and she sort of found it right away, understanding the cinema in a very profound way. And also, she started sensing in her, you know, being already grown up, as she was, you know, thinking she needed to do some sport. So fencing, she found it intriguing, and she started fencing. And fencing took her to Estonia and to this little town of Hapsali, where she met with the daughter of Endel Nellis, who is, you know, the, our main character's daughter. And the, the daughter of Endel Nellis told her the story of her father and of this little fencing community that grew out of nothing. I mean, when they started in the 50s, they took sticks from the woods to fence with, and, and they fenced with bare feet, you know, this, this, this really bad floor and this really uh, gloomy hall. And, and then out of these sort of humble beginnings uh, grew this fencing society, and a lot of great fencers and gold medalists came out of this little club and, and that was really you know they really started against all odds and and and, uh, hmm. and yeah so i and, and yeah. The, the great thing you know when you make cinema when you when, when i make a story like this i'm not thinking i'm going to change the world I'm, I'm 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 relating to something that's important to me which is the relationship between teachers and pupils the relationship between parents and and, and children but but you know of course there's you always, when you tell a, a real-life story, I mean, this is based on, on real events, and when you tell a story like that, it's going to echo, it's going gonna, it's gonna to have its effect, you know, it's going to have some effect on the people we, we're telling about. And what I just heard very recently was that Peter Nellis, who is the son of Endel Nellis, mm-hmm. you know, he, uh, we had some email exchange, and he told me, you know, that as a result of this film, we just, we're just opening a brand new fencing arena in our little town. You know, because of this film, the, the decision makers and the, the people with money, sort of, their attention was called, and, and they got funding for a new fencing arena. So, so the, the story of this little fencing club still goes on today. And, and that was the beauty of the film. And it says in the end, you know, that, that, that in 1991, the Soviet Union, you know, yeah. disappeared. But this little fencing club still goes on today. And I think that's the David and Goliath story that many people can relate to, wherever you are from. And that is, a, that is, it is a beautiful, that is such a, a testament, uh, not only to uh, Endel and his, but it's his legacy and the, the impact that he had 
on on the people around him, especially these school children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, you know, the, the film for, I, I mean, I'm trying to think of a sort of a parallel story that, that, that I can relate to for an American audience. Um, someone in a review mentioned uh, dead poet society as sort of a reference mm-hmm. in terms of uh, the impact. Oh, yeah. It, oh, yeah. It, and what would, I mean, is there someone for an American audience? Is there, is there a film or a, a story that, that you would say that sort of is a re- for people who are interested in seeing the fencer just to kind of relate to, is that a good example? Um, well, well, yeah. I mean, I would say fencer, the fencer, more than being a sports movie, right. even if the, the sport is there, it is a movie about the teacher people relationship. And I would think that the post society is a very, very, you know, good example of the kind of films that have inspired me when I wanted to become a filmmaker. Uh, and, um, and definitely, I grew up with American films, and 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 maybe when you see my films and when you see the censor, you see there's sort of a European sort of uh, line there, but there's so, certainly also sort of some American influence there. And I think that's the, that's the way I enjoy filmmaking, you know, a story that's both intimate and and personal, maybe in a European way, if you will, but but then also uh, universal and appealing. And, 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 and told in, in strong emotions and strong pictures in an American way. I think that's the, that's the kind of filmmaking I enjoy. And, and, and it's hard to find a, an example film that would have inspired me to do for this exact film. But what, what I can say is I myself would probably not have been a filmmaker without, without my teachers. I grew up and I still live in a very small town in the 70s and 80s, uh, which meant that, you know, when, when you're when you're a boy of 12 or 13 and you're saying, you know, to your parents, I want to become a filmmaker, they'll tell you, you're going to be what? It doesn't exist here. It's like, like you can be a teacher or, or a doctor, but a filmmaker, nobody knew. I mean, we hardly knew an artist, uh, so, so let alone a filmmaker. And it's such a sort of long shot. Uh, that, and then I remember having teachers who would, you know, encourage me from being very small and we think you have, you know, some talent in this. So, why don't you do this play for the class, or why don't you be written for the movie, or what? So, I, I would have teachers myself who sort of, you know, out of all these pupils that they had around them, they would see me and they would encourage me to, to sort of, you know, go, go, go. And and I owe so much to them, and and I, I'm sure Pinscher, you know, I I, I, if, if I would somehow dedicate Pinscher to these teachers who inspired me. And I thank them for being with me today. Yeah, yeah. let's talk a little bit about. Let's go back to the conversation. I'm really about the film uh, and the fencer. And we're speaking with Klaus Haro, and he's the director of the film. It, it it's it is interesting because while there is this political backdrop to your film, mm-hmm. uh, it takes place in the 50s. It's obviously early 50s in a time when the Soviet Union is at, in, um, essentially occupying Estonia, where the where the story takes yeah. place. Mm-hmm. One of the things that is that you're able to do with the film, and I think a lot of it has to do with the visuals of the film, is in, is to impart a sense of sort of dread um, uh, that you feel the kind of uh, dourness, the, the kind of uh, closed-off society, uh, and you're vi- able to, vi- to do that in a very visual way for the people of this small community in Estonia. Um, it is a time when uh, Joseph Stalin is in charge of the Soviet Union at a time when there's much repression. So 
I want to obviously and and the characters and the reflection of the characters and the principle of the school. You're able to convey a lot without it being an overtly political film, and and it, it's done yeah. in, in the characters and the way that they interact with one another. Um, and I just want to compliment you on that because it sometimes that can be Thank a you. heavy hand in a film, and you you know with yours it's uh, it's there. It's a part of the story, certainly, but uh, it's also about the humanity of these characters and their character, their internal moral yeah. character as well. Um, any, I mean, what, what was the, what were you trying to convey? How did you, did yeah. you set out to, to do that? Well, my impression, my impression of this society, which I have not lived in, I mean, living in Finland, we're on the border to, we were on the border to Soviet Union, and, and, and Estonia was our neighbor, but we, we, we did not know everything that was going on there, but we, we were sort of in between the East and the West, kind of free, but kind of still under the influence of Soviet Union, mm-hmm. but whereas Estonia was, was certainly occupied, and, 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 and what, what I then, what I then sort of understand, and my understand, understanding of that society is, that, that you know, it, it, this kind of oppression creates a situation where it, it's not like, like the Estonians would say, these people were not Nazis beating you up in the street, but it was more kind of silent fear where every moment you had to watch every word. If your neighbor asks you, how are you doing? You can't just say, I'm good. But you're thinking, if I say I'm good, he's going to think I'm too good, I'm hiding something. If I say I'm bad, he thinks I'm criticizing the system. So they would create, you know, an answer that would be normal. I'm normal. I'm okay. <laughs> Don't give away anything. It, you know, and in this age, situation of fear, everybody's watching everybody because everybody's a potential enemy. And this violent threat is what we wanted sort of to convey. And, and, and that's where I think, that's where the genius of the script lies. That, you know, in the midst of this fear, enters a sport that, you know, this ballet-like sport that sort of goes way back and speaks of, you know, sort of courage and being brave and standing up for something you believe in. And, and I think this is what the teacher sort of brings to this situation. He brings the children something to, you know, a, a way of saying, you know, we, we're standing up for what we believe in and it gives us some hope, some beauty in this gloominess. And of course, um, what, what was special about the shoot of the century was, I mean, when we started shooting, the political situation in in, in in, in Russia wasn't what it is today. We were not aware of the events that were, that were still coming. They were still ahead because the shoot was some years back, three years back. And as we were shooting the film, one evening there's a scene of a, you know, when, it, when, when there's a deportation of a, of, a, of, a, of a grandfather, a very strong emotional scene between a grandfather and a little boy. And, and when we were shooting that very emotional scene one evening, I noticed that you know, half of the crew, the Estonian part of the crew, they were all on their phones. And I was a little bit irritated, saying, come on, guys, you know, it's late, it's not Facebook time, we have a scene to shoot. And they would turn to me and say, no, we're not on Facebook, we're reading the news that Russia has just entered Ukraine, hmm. Russian troops. And, 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 you know, so this was like time travel, and you realize that when you, whenever you tell a story about oppression, whenever you tell a story like this, uh, it's unfortunately timeless. And, 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 and even if you're telling about the past, you're telling the present, and this became very, very real as we were doing the film and, and, and completing the film. Well, that's a remarkable story. Thank you for sharing that. Um, that, yeah. And again, there is a timelessness to this story. And uh, going back to it, at the end of the day, it is about uh, these people's inner um, compass, their inner moral compass. And certainly yeah. Endel was, uh, took great risk and, and, 
and in some ways paid the price for his for his desire to be present, be in the lives of the the students and that he um, grew to to know and love. So that is a, and again, that's a timeless sort of theme, and it also happens to be based on a true story. So that's the, the advantage of of uh, of that as well in, the, in telling in this story. The um, I wanted to talk a little bit about the look. I alluded to it earlier, uh, and to uh, recognize your your cinematographer, and uh, for for lack of not wanting to butcher his name, to Tuomo. How do you say? I yeah, Tuomo Vutri. Yes. Yes. Beautiful look to this film. Uh, it really it, it, there's this kind of a, a, a faded, uh, sort of a muted. Certainly, the color scheme is very muted, uh, and and just the, the, it's a it's an, an integral part of telling your story. The way that this was shot, and there's another thing I want to point out in in your direction is oftentimes we will see Endel from behind, walking mm-hmm. somewhere. Now it's not a point. It's kind of a point of view sort of look, but but we're but we're seeing well, yeah. him. But we're seeing him in frame as well. I wondered about that as well, sort of integrated into your cinematography. Talk to a little bit about that style, that that way of portraying his character. And well, visual. yeah, I mean, very often when when I read a script, it's 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 about the content first. You know, do I want to take this on? Or do I want to do this film? It's about the content. But secondary, it's it's about the visuals. I mean, film is. It's a story told in pictures. And when I read the script very early on, usually, I have a picture in mind. You know, you read the script and then you see, woof, ah, this is the main picture. This is kind of the main shot uh, of this film. This is the kind of, sort of, this is the kind, this is the way we're going to shoot the film. And if I don't get that idea pretty soon, I'm going to say, no, thank you. It's probably a good story, but it's not for me because I don't have the, the sort of the visual idea that I'm drawn to, the, the visual sort of, compass how to how to do this film and very early on uh, one of the things i i thought when, when when i read the script was okay this is a man who's being followed and and he's always like looking you know a little bit around like is there anybody watching me and 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 hence the the camera work would, would sort of uh, echo this and would be following him around so it, it, when he when he enters the new village he's a newcomer and we would see the world sort of through his point of view but it's not a classical point of view where you where you, where you where you just you know crack and, and then you show his face and then you track again and show what he's seen, but it would be a combination of the classical point of view shot where you introduce the village and the surroundings, and at the same time there's a feeling that somebody is just you know behind him at all times mm-hmm. and he can never be safe. So it would sort of combine these two things, showing what he's seen and giving the audience a feeling, which then later will tell what it is. You just have a feeling that. Somebody's following him, and you don't know exactly what it's about until we, you know, review it later into the film. So, so yeah, that's the way this, this shot came to be. And of course, uh, what is so great shooting in Estonia, apart from that you have great crews there and, and great actors that were totally new to me, is that you can still find these beautiful surroundings. Some of them, which are almost like you know, like they were in the 60s. If you come to Scandinavia, we have a lot of beautiful places here, but certainly to find locations for a film, it's really tricky because everything's so neat and new. And when you go to these Baltic countries, you'll have villages and you'll have houses, streets, which are almost like, you know, you step, you know, you, you like to do a time travel. Mm-hmm. So it was a pleasure shooting in Estonia. And I was... I was full of prejudice, I have to admit, you know, because you go to another country and say, okay, how, how are these people? Do they know filmmaking? And what you find is, we, you know, 
after a few days of shooting, you find these people who just, you know, when you work with professionals, it's just like we, with musicians in an orchestra. You'll, you'll, you'll say, can these people play Vivaldi? Can these people play Beethoven? And, you know, first day or second day, you keep, you know, glancing at the other one and thinking, is he really up to it? And then a few days in the rehearsals, you find, wow, they're playing these orchestras together. And that's how it was with this shoot. It was a pleasure to work in this collaboration between two or three countries, actually. Well, we're, we're, speaking with, <clears throat> we're speaking with Klaus Haro. He's the director of the new film, The Fencer, which is opening here in Los Angeles. Today, it's opening at the Limley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena, as well as the Limley Royal Theater in Los Angeles. That's right off the 405 freeway. You almost can't miss it. So uh, check this out. It's, again, um, as we speak, on August 18th. 2017, the Lemley Playhouse 7 in Pasadena and the Lemley Royal Theater in um, Los Angeles. And you can also check it out at uh, more information about the film at thefencermovie.com. You can find out about the cast, the, the writers, all the different things you'd want to know about a wonderful film like this, as well as uh, additional screenings and, and background on the filmmakers as well. Um, uh, it, the, another thing that is that just jumps out at me in terms of th- your film is uh, the lead, certainly, and uh, Mart Mart uh, Avanti plays uh, yeah. Nellis, and uh, he is terrific. He is a very internal kind of performance. It, it, there's not a lot of external uh, wasted motion in his performance. It's you. It's a lot of it's in his eyes and in his face, but it's very subtle and an understated performance, and it gives it uh, a, a, a lot of gravitas. It gives it a, a certain um, grounding that uh, is very relatable, and, and, and he does a terrific job. He's, he has a background yeah. in television, but some film work yeah. in the past. But tell me a little bit about casting of, of uh, Avanti. Well, I mean, casting a film and actors in general is a, is a challenge because they do so few movies, so they rarely have showreels, they rarely have agents. And, and I remember seeing Mark Avanti in, 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 in some... He's actually in Estonia. He's known for silly sketches on TV. I mean, he's a great actor who does Tennessee Williams and Shakespeare on the theater, but, but to the big audience in, in Little Estonia, he's known as a comic. So when I cast him, people from the crew would come up you know, and pull my sleeve and say, have you made a mistake? Don't you know he's a, he's a funny guy? <laughs> and, and, and when they saw him in the film, they would come to me and say, wow, it's really good. Like, they were surprised. And, and this, is, this is the great thing with him. I mean, I was attracted by him because when I read The Fencer, I thought, this is a man with a secret. And I was thinking of somebody like, you know, like in an old Eastern Bergman film, you would have Max von Sydow, a young Max von Sydow. Yes, yes. Or you, or you, or you would have a young Henry Fonda, you know, John Ford film. Yeah. And, and I, was, I was sort of picturing somebody like this. And when I saw him on stage, I thought, this is a sort of thin beautiful man, a sad man with a secret, and, and, and that's the way we talked about him also. And he's also a sad man because he loves fencing, he has a passion for fencing, and you're, when you're not allowed to do, when you have to hide what you, what you have a passion for, you become miserable inside, and this misery, misery you know, gradually goes away, and he, gain, he finds again his love for fencing during this movie, and the joy comes back through these children, into his life. And I also think he, he portrays that beautifully. And, you know, wherever we show the film, whether it's in Europe, or whether it's in Scandinavia, where I live, or whether it's in California, we were, you know, we were, we were, um, when, the film, when, when the film was, the film was entered for the Oscars last year, yeah. we, we were screening the film in, in Los Angeles, 
and we had a screening for the Actors Guild audience, and it was so beautiful to be there with Master Vandi, you know, and, and when he entered the stage of the screening, he got standing ovations yeah. uh, right there in front of Boulevard, and, and, and he was, he was I and mean, I think he certainly deserves that, because the job he does, I think that's, that's really a beautiful performance, and that goes for the other Estonian actors as well. The grandfather in our film is played by, by by an actor who, 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 whom people in, in, in Los Angeles, especially in the Oscar circles, would know from, from two years back, an, an Estonian film, The Tangerines, which was also nominated for an Oscar. Mm-hmm. So we had, we had beautiful actors, young and old, and certainly we have our child actors. You know, the film was also completed in Germany. We had a German sort of post-production. And even people working with the film, technicians doing grading or, or sound, would stop to watch these children and say, who are these children? They're so radiant, they're so great. And, and, and wherever we go, we, we get praise for these actors, and I think they deserve it. And I think I deserve a little praise, too, because I suffered a lot through, you know, endless uh, Estonian theater plays. Because they don't have showrooms, I needed to theater the theater. And I, w- I was watching four-hour plays that I, where I didn't understand a single word. Mm-hmm. Just to, you know, just to go through the casting, and you know, if you sit in a four-hour play and you don't understand a word, and you say, "Oh boy, this actor is still good," mm. then you really want to something. That's that's a very interesting uh, take on and acting. That you're just thinking <laughs> away. You're just you're sort of relating to it on a very visceral uh, level. You're un, you're just watching <laughs> yeah. the, the the movement. And I want to mention his name uh, if I've said this correctly. Labit Olfsak is the who played the uh, Jan's um, yeah. grandfather. Yeah, and, Olfsak, yeah. And also Ursula Ratasap played Katri, yeah. who's yeah. who's uh, the love interest in the film. Um, and yeah. for and just for a sort of a point of reference for American audience. Uh, uh, Martin looks a little bit like a Ryan Gosling. Sort of, he has that sort of facial sl- structure oh, in, yeah. in the eyes, yeah. a little bit yeah. like that. And and I, I want to just in in terms of his perform. I mean, in his performance, I, I once again I want to echo that he conveys so much uh, with with just his expressions and much like you were talking about in watching these plays it's sort of you can see that that is something that, that comes across in in his performance here so that's a it's a yeah it's a wonderful performance on his part so uh, my congratulations to him now the film you Thank mentioned you. was uh, was not was a uh, uh, shortlisted for the uh, last year's academy award oscar um, awards for uh, best foreign film and it's been uh, been celebrated around the world in terms of international film festivals and such. And so yeah. that's got to be very gratifying for you uh, as a filmmaker. Well, it, 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 it is. But, you know, when you make a movie, you don't... I mean, at a certain point, you think of that, of, of awards, in terms of, of release, in terms of, of, of sort of getting the film out there to the audience. But when you make a film, you know, you know, you know you're going to sort of be married to it for two or three years of your life. Yes. And I think really... You know, at the core of it, you have to care of the story. And you have to think, this is something where I want to spend three, three years of my life thinking it's worthwhile. And if you just say, okay, this is going to give me an award, or this is going to give me my next job, uh, well, then it, there are easier ways to, to get to that. So so really, you have to care. But I think if, if you can, as a director, convey that to the crew and to actors that you care about the story, they, in their, you know, they were conveyed to the audience. And I think when you watch the actors in, in the film, I think this was really a joint effort because I, as a fan, entering Estonia, also I had to say, look, I love this story, 
but I know almost nothing about your history. Mm. You know, please mm. give. You know, please, please give this film what you have to give and share. And the Estonian actors certainly would, would would do that. I mean, if Swede would enter Finland and say, "Now we're going to make a film about the Finnish winter war," I would say as a film, "Well, there wasn't any Finnish director around then." I mean, <laughs> uh, certainly the Estonians would look at me first and say. We're going to make this into a Disney Channel movie a lot, and 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 and, and I, I really had to convince them to say, look, I I am in one respect a tourist in your culture, but I'm here to learn, and and and, and you know, I please help me. And they would then stretch their hand and say, you know, okay, this is how it was, yeah. and, and if you find an amount of reality, if you find an amount of believability and 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 strength in the film that that, that comes to the acting. It's really because I sort of, well, I, it's not my magical direction. It's, it's them sort of sharing their, their history on the screen to, to tell us what it was like. Well, Klaus, very well stated. Uh, I want to, again, remind our listeners we're speaking with Klaus Haro and the director of the new film, The Fencer, which opens here in Los Angeles today. And the passion in which you speak of your film and the passion that comes across in the film is... Uh, is just uh, a wonderful aspect of of the film and and of your and again of your passion in, in making this film and your yeah. your willingness to put yourself in an uncomfortable potentially uncomfortable situation uh, across reaching across to, to tell a story that is uh, obviously you feel very strongly about it. and I want to want to segue into a quick uh, and just to touch on your. Background as a filmmaker and um, and your relationship uh, uh, to Ingmar Bergman, one of the greatest filmmakers in the history mm-hmm. of cinema, uh, obviously an impact on you as a as an artist, but also to point out that you were the we were given an award, uh, sort of an Ingmar, well not sort of the Ingmar Bergman Award back in two thousand and four, uh, and you mm-hmm. received a very apparently a very uh, a wonderful sort of um, message from. Uh, Mr. Bergman himself, tell me a little bit yeah. about that relationship that you developed with him over. Well, uh, well, my my relationship, of course, to Ingmar Bergman is like every filmmaker in Scandinavia. There is no way you cannot be interested uh, in some respects. You know, he he's always going to be there. It's like a headmaster of a school. You know, you cannot escape his look, and you might like him or you might dislike him, but he's always going to be there. <laughs> and and I would say, I would say, certainly, he he was a great inventive filmmaker. Uh, the filmmakers I have been most influenced. By, I would say, are the next generation of filmmakers, uh, which are, you know, Jan Troelli, the Swedish filmmaker poet, who made the great films at the end of the 60s, beginning of the 70s, of the great sagas of Swedes traveling to, to, to America in the in 1800s, and also Bille August, who, who, who is a great Danish filmmaker. I think these filmmakers have been more, more influential to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was when I got the award from Ingmar Bergman, it was at the time of my first feature film called Elena. Uh, uh, I mean, this was a film, a children's film, set up in the Swedish north, and it was filmed with a very low expectation, a very low audience ex- expectations. And then suddenly, uh, when it was time for the Swedish Film Awards, uh, I was there, and I was—I had no clue. When suddenly they—they they asked, you know, they—they they announced my name. They're going to announce the you know, Bergman Award, and then they announced my name, and and I and the film. And we had this beautiful message. He was not present at that ceremony, but we had this beautiful message from him saying, "Your film has touched our hearts." And of course, to get that, you know, that message, it would be like getting that message from John Ford or Akira Kurosawa, Federico Fellino. There are not that many uh, guys like that around, or were not that many guys like that around. The, the giants of, of sort of inventing film, and 
and it was a, it was a big deal for me now now he had it, it turned out he had been inquiring you know he had made his inquiries he had a way of calling people you know family you know if you were a female, Swedish artist or a Swedish filmmaker one day the phone would ring and and you, you know answer and, and then at the other end of the line they would be saying hi this is my Bergman. <laughs> people would usually think it's a joke but he would just call around whenever he wanted to get something he would call around until he got the answer and it turned out he had called around to a lot of people asking who's this young filmmaker referring to me and asking what's he like and, and how did he make this movie and he had made a lot of inquiries so he, it turned out I knew a lot about him but he also knew a lot about me <laughs> at the time when he rewarded me so yeah this was a great start you could say for, for me as a filmmaker a great encouragement you know, just starting as a fresh filmmaker. Oh, what a, again, again, what a what a wonderful story, Klaus. Uh, and obviously, uh, you have carried forward that you picked up the torch and you were carrying it forward. And uh, obviously, with the fencer, uh, again, a work of passion, a, a very well crafted film, beautifully rendered. The story itself is is timeless and one that needs to be reinforced now and then. We need we need to hear these stories and we need to. Uh, to, to be able to relate to them and uh, you, it's that's an easy task when you're uh, when you're seeing the fencer so I, I really truly appreciate your work and especially in this film and uh, hopefully moving forward uh, we'll continue to uh, keep stay in touch and um, all the best to you sir thank you thank you it's been a pleasure working with the fencer and it's been a pleasure talking to you thank, thank you, you very much Thank you so much. Again, the film is The Fencer. The director is Klaus Haro. And uh, appreciate you finding time to, to, to spend with us here on Film School. Take care. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.